about now. <laughs> now I know what they look like, and it's uh, Jeez, they look weird. R- yeah, they look like they're <laughs> seventeen going on forty-five. Some uh, wild hair going on there. Yeah, uh, the Everly Brothers is who we are discussing today. I recommend you listen to them because they're really good. Yeah. Uh, Bye Bye Love, Wake Up Little Susie, All I Have to Do is Dream, Kathy's Clown. These are some of their biggest hits. You know, these songs have been out since, what, the 50s? Yeah. Just on Spotify alone, the the top popular song by them, All I Have to Do is Dream, 150 million plays. Damn. And that's just since they got put on Spotify, whenever that was. And if you only listen to music that's slightly more recent and you are familiar with Guns N' Roses, Axl Rose's marriage to Aaron Everly, who is the daughter of Don Everly, one of the Everly brothers. Oh. Axl Rose was married to her for like a couple months. So they came out in... Their career started in 1951. They were signed to Cadence in 57. Their first hit was Bye Bye Love. That had been rejected by 30 other acts. So that one came out in 57. All right. So, oh, they were so it's about, one of those deals where they, you pick a song out of the, out of the box and I, take it around and see if it's a hit. That's the same thing that happened with uh, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash did that. Who am I thinking of that we did? Um, the blonde girl from the 60s. I can't remember her name. Fucking Leslie Gore. Leslie Gore. That's what I'm thinking. She did the same thing. That's how she got popular. Yeah, you just read, and, you, and you sing someone else's song out of a book. Yeah, she got her version of a song out before Phil Spector got his, and so she got kind of got the credit for it. Interesting. Well, the Everly Brothers, they were actual brothers, um, and they had a pretty serious breakup, and I have not read this story. But it's a it's kind of a short one. That's what we're going to talk about today is what the fuck happened between these two guys. All right. First, you're listening to Death by Music podcast. And of course, I am Jake and I'm here with Alex. I did have something I wanted to mention to you. This is completely unrelated. Uh-huh. It's more so related to the interaction that we just had in the hallway um, where my cat broke into Jake's room and he said that she had hidden under his bed all day on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And she's not supposed to be in there. She... She fucking almost threw up on my face this morning. <laughs> um, so I figured you would enjoy that story. Yeah, that was, I was entertaining. I was laying in bed. and Like, I've been out of town all weekend. I just got back from North Carolina Renaissance Fair last night, and my alarm went off. I was like, it's ah, my first day back. I'm going to sleep in. So I stayed in bed. But once my alarm goes off, Quesadilla knows that I'll pet her. So she jumps up on the bed and she'll usually like sit right on my chest. Mm -hmm. I had the covers pulled up over my face and I heard this strange noise. The noise? The, it sounded weird. I couldn't tell what had happened because I was also half asleep. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And so I like threw the blankets off and she had thrown up on the fucking blanket on my face. (laughs) So she, because it's a difficult place to clean up. It just, oh my God. God, I just washed my fucking sheets, too. <laughs> Don't think I've ever had a cat throw up on my face before, but... I think, fuck, I had the blanket there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about fucking Everly Oh, Brothers. yeah, the Everly. That's right. We're I doing a music show here. I want to on somebody else's problems instead of my own. <laughs> All right. This one is coming to us from faroutmagazine.co.uk by Poppy Burton. The Everly Brothers, The Fiery Feud, and The Onstage Breakup. The Life of the Everly... Hmm. <laughs> you always, always do this. <laughs> every single time. The life of the Everly brothers was almost defined by doubles. 
most obviously in the fact that they were a double act, but also that they each led something of a double life. Their shared substance abuse uh, issues were concealed, and before the cracks really started to show, Phil and Don Everly were received as one of the most dulcet duos in pop. Never seen that word before. <laughs> uh, recording sugary hits like Wake Up Little Susie, Bye Bye Love, and All I Have to Do is Dream. All great songs, honestly. Addictions again. Sorry, we, we're on a roll with drugs. Yeah. Seems to be a theme with musicians. musicians. It's odd. Yeah. I'm, I'm noticing a pattern. Hmm. Uh, although their struggles were well obscured, both brothers were addicted to amphetamines. Don's condition was said to be the worst of the two and culminated in a spell in the hospital following a nervous breakdown. Dang. Tensions between the pair were rife, but they managed to stifle them and announced their final performance together would be taking place at Knott's Berry Farm across two days in 1973. Knott's Berry Farm, that's where they make the uh, the jams and the jellies, I do believe. What? Why would they have a concert there? Is that where they went in, in the fucking 50s and 60s? It's a theme park. What? There's a theme park there? <laughs> it says uh, Knott's Berry Farm is a 57-acre theme park located in California. Is it like a Bush Gardens where it's next to the, the beer factory? What does this have it's to do with same... berries? Well, this, the Knott's are the guys ah. that make the, the... Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. The park sits on a site of former berry farm established by Walter Knott and his family. They used to sell berries, preserves, and pies from a roadside stand. That's a... Must, that's a weird, like, American thing, apparently, to open yeah. a business and then, you know, ha randomly have a theme park attached to it. Yeah, because I never understood. I didn't get it when we uh, we go to Bush Gardens when I was a kid. I had no idea it was connected to the beer. And I was like, why? Yeah, that doesn't make Bush. any fucking sense. Yeah. Strange. Yep. Okay, so Knott's Berry Farm, their final show. Alrighty, yes. Despite their difficulties, it should have been a celebration of their work together, but their onstage fallout eclipsed everything. The first performance went smoothly, but the second, crucially, the final one before they'd take some well-needed space from each other, was by a large disaster. By and large. By, by and large a disaster. There we go. I can do things, folks. Don had staggered out on stage, clearly inebriated, and slurred his way through songs. Warren Zevin, who plays keys during the performance, uh, which he later described as an embarrassing affair. I'd seen Don perform with the flu and a temperature of 103, he said. I'd never heard him hit a sour note or, or be anything short of professional in front of an audience. But this night, he walked on stage dead drunk. He was stumbling and off-key. And I remember Phil trying to restart songs several times. That's got to be awkward, restarting a song in the middle of a performance. Wow. I've, I've seen some people do it where it's just kind of funny because they like well, somebody fucks up and then they all like stop and they look at each other and they're like, uh, yeah, we're going to do that again. <laughs> like, our bad. It's our first show on the tour or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the crowd, having expected a joyous send-off, booed and jeered at Don, who responded by lashing out at them and his appalling brother on stage. Phil's frustrations made him smash his guitar and walk... <gasps> that's very rock and roll. Smash his guitar and walk off, telling the prompter uh, promoter to he could not return. Wow. Bizarrely, the belligerent Don tried to keep the show going, uttering the now infamous line, the Everly Brothers died 10 years ago. Yeah, this kind of reminded me about. of Oasis. Right. Brothers can't be in a band together. Just don't fucking do it. I was half in the bag that evening, the only time I've ever been drunk on stage in my life, Don later admitted to Rolling Stone. Didn't the other guy just say that he'd seen him drunk? No, he said he'd seen him sick, sick 
flu with a hundred three temperature. Feels like the same thing. Might as well, yeah. Uh, he said he knew it was the beginning of the end and drank tequila and champagne to toast their demise. That seems like a terrible combination. Oh yeah. <laughs> That sounds like cat puke on your face. That, yeah. People thought that night was just some uh, brouhaha between Phil and me. They didn't realize we had been working uh, our buns off for years. Whoa. Thank you for editing yourself, sir. <laughs> uh, we had never been anywhere without working, uh, had never known any freedom. We were strapped together like a team of horses. It's funny. The press hadn't paid any attention to us in 10 years, but they jumped on that. It was one of the saddest days of my life. Oh. After the explosive actions of both brothers, a hiatus only intended to last a handful of years went on for nearly 10. They would reunite on stage at the Royal Albert Hall in 1983, but sadly, audiences often remembered their destructive breakup on stage. And Dang. that was the end of the article. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was a short one. Well, that's unfortunate. But like you said, they were super young when they started out because they were, what, 12 and 14 when, when they first started recording, I guess, in music. And I wonder... I wonder if it was their parents that pushed them I, into doing I, it. I, I bet you it would be somebody kept pushing them and they just got stuck together and they had to work and constantly be around each other and never really have time to, to play and have fun. Whoa, their family. <laughs> Holy shit. I guess we got to cover them for a fucking episode because this is interesting. I'm Yeah, I'm sure they're dead by now. Uh, Yeah, they are. So <laughs> their parents. They're Mar definitely dead. Margaret was their mom. Margaret was 15 when she married Ike, who was 26. Cool. Ike had worked in coal mines from the age 14, but his father encouraged him to pursue his love of music, and Ike and Margaret began singing together. So I guess that's why the kids were singing as well. So it was kind of in the family. Yeah, they had a show on the radio, first with his wife and then with their sons. So the brothers sang on radio as Little Donnie and Baby Boy Phil. They sang as the Everly family. So they were literally children, and then like finally they made it, and they just were forced to get along and kind of have this career together. Yeah, I imagine that's pretty fucking stressful and annoying. And then, I mean, it kind of makes sense why they're hooked on drugs and shit. All right, well, I guess that's someone we're going to have to cover in full in the future. I'm going to go ahead and add them to the list, because I am interested in that story. Mm -hmm. But I thought we had uh, done some episodes on like band breakups and shit like that. I feel like we have in the past, mm -hmm. so that one seemed appropriate. Cool. Uh, if you guys have any suggestions for mini episodes or suggestions for people we can cover in the future, we have a giant running list and are currently working on next season for you right now. And it's not necessarily set in stone, but... Uh, At least the first episode is. The first That's the one you've written. And the second... <laughs> wait, hold on. Let me look at this shit, because I think I'm on the... Yeah, we're definitely... <laughs> So far, the list is Randy Rhodes. I've got uh, Chevalier Joseph Ballone that I've been working on. And he's a little bit after most... No, wait. Who was the first? He's a little bit after Jean-Baptiste Lully in France. Okay. So their stories kind of overlap. There's like a lot of similar places and, and titles and stuff. Yeah, not a whole lot of places in uh, France to to make it big. To have a music career. Well, <laughs> yeah. they, they kind of, you know... You'll if you listen to Jean Baptiste Lully from season five, then Joseph Ballone will be like the next step in that story for music in France. And then uh, number three, I started working a little bit on Nina Simone. So those ones are set in stone, but the rest of it's kind of up. I think we've got a really good list, though. I figure if we release an episode a month, like that's a pretty decent pace for us to work at. Um, 
I've got Joey Jordison up there. Frankie Lyman, who was a suggestion. Sisto Rodriguez was a suggestion. Mac Miller has been suggested before. Nick Drake. Johnny Cash. Dusty Springfield. Juice World, yeah, And George we got Michael. A, we got a big list up there. Yes. Uh, speaking of Joey, uh, Slipknot recently fired their drummer again. Yeah. I mean, they what didn't like fire that? him. Did you read they let it? him go. I mean, I didn't read a whole bunch into it. Basically, Slipknot um, decided that they wanted to part ways with him. So I don't know if they have somebody else in mind or creatively it just wasn't working. I think that that guy basically just was filling in. Oh, okay. For the, like, he learned Joey's parts, yeah, but yeah. who knows what it's like when they're trying to write music. If that guy's not on the same page as them for writing, then I could totally That's be see. Difficult. Yeah. And they also have, like, five drummers, so. Well, he was the main <laughs> one. He was the guy on the drum set in the middle. Yeah. So I imagine that he just creatively was not up to par for them uh, because they decided they wanted to part ways. And he seemed surprised by that because he came out with his own statement and was like, oh, my gosh, like, what the fuck? I was really happy with Slipknot. I'm bummed about this, but it's not the end for me. And then so that guy who was recently let go from Slipknot, he used to be in Against Me. And then Laura Jane Grace from Against Me was like, that guy's a bitch. Because oh. <laughs> she's like worked with him before. And okay. I think that she basically was like, he don't feel bad for him because he sucks to work with. Was what So I that's potentially the reason why, yeah. why they let him go. Yeah. Like he's a good drummer, but maybe he's a bitch. That's what uh, I heard. Okay. So this is all just hearsay. I don't fucking know. Look We're it speculating up. <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get into it on that episode. I think we'll definitely do Joey Jordison. But the rest of these are kind of up in the air. And if, I mean, if you guys have some cool ones, then let us know. I don't want all of them to be like heavy hitters because that gets really hard when every single episode is like somebody. Like last year when we did um, We had Frank and Marilyn. Frank fucking Sinatra and Marilyn Monroe back to back was like in hindsight like not a great idea <laughs> those they had so much stuff and they're so difficult to cover everything yeah because they were they literally i mean they did everything in hollywood and, and so. their their lives are very well recorded yeah so we're so. looking for people whose lives are not well recorded yeah <laughs> but yeah uh working on that list so let us know thanks to our listeners in uh fucking australia for putting us at number 77 Hell yeah, we're picking history. up more people there. I know we, back when when I was first looking at the stats, like I was seeing Brisbane and uh, you know all the big cities oh, popping up, like a couple. Cities. I'm not looking just at the overall. cities, but just on Chartable, yeah, it says we're number 77 on cool. the, in the Australian charts, so that's great to know. Um, there's probably someone from fucking Australia we can cover. I'm surprised we haven't done Bon Scott yet. Oh, we just did uh, uh, Michael Hutchins. Oh, yeah, you're right. He is fucking Australia. Yeah, you're welcome. That's probably why yeah. they're listening. It's probably oh, that specific episode that I, is I pulling hope, Australia. I hope they like my uh, cross-country reference compared to the U.S. What from, are you uh, about? Oh, what city was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From driving from Perth, Perth to, to... Sydney or something? <sighs> Name two cities in Australia. That's basically it. Perth and Sydney. Sid, that's what it was. It was Sydney and Perth, and I found Texas. I found some place in the U.S. called Perth, and some place in oh, right. in Florida called Sydney or something like that. And the distance was off by a couple hundred miles. It was very similar. They're both on the same sides of the of their respective countries. That's I thought it was impressive. pretty funny. Yeah, very impressive. Go listen to that episode. Go listen to everything else we've ever done. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we'll work on getting some more stuff out to you. Patreon this month, uh, at least the first episode is going to B. 
be first episode is going to be the 10 best rock songs that were banned on radio back in the day. And I think maybe for our second Patreon episode of November, we'll do the the write up on Chilino Sanchez, who was the guy that was like killed by the cartel on stage. Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember? We, we discussed about, that yeah. recently. So I think we might do that for our second Patreon episode this month. If you're interested in Patreon, it's five dollars a month. You get two extra episodes per month. And uh, yeah, we're working on writing season six. So you will get some of our own stuff here soon instead of just mini episodes so that's exciting uh thanks for listening and the link for patreon is patreon.com slash fi podcast team don't think i mentioned that and rest in peace later Death by Music podcast is written and produced by Alex Motler, Cassie Gardner, and Jake.